We are back with another episode of the Financial Freedom 101. As always, I'm your host, Robert, and this is episode 15. Throughout the past 14 episodes, we have spoken a lot about investing, setting up companies, and choosing the right power team. But regardless of how much talking is done, there's always a bit of hesitation because of the risks involved on everything associated with becoming financially free. Am I choosing the right investment? Is the builders I pick to renovate my investment property going to run off with my money and hang me out to dry? Or even, how do I know that the business idea that I have is going to work out and make me money? At the end of the day, there's a number of factors that we cannot control, but we have the ability to mitigate as much of the risk as we can by doing our basic homework or, in other words, doing due diligence. And that is exactly what today's topic is all about. For most, due diligence is a scary, complicated, and complex process that only professional accountants and legal experts can do. The reason for this is because of what due diligence is normally associated with. The definition most used to describe due diligence, as per the Oxford Dictionary, is a comprehensive appraisal of a business undertaken by a prospective buyer especially to establish its assets and liabilities and evaluate its commercial potential. As such, due diligence is associated with mergers and acquisitions, focused heavily on the company's financial strengths to determine if the company is worth buying or not. This is not something that the normal person would do. But what if I told you, however, that regardless of what the standard definition of due diligence is, that you actually do due diligence on a regular basis and not even know it. At this point, I know many of you are saying, I don't buy and sell companies on a regular basis. I don't know how to read a financial statement or the first thing about evaluating an investment. So how could I be doing due diligence? The answer is simple. Due diligence is not just about acquisition. It's not just about financial statements. It's about risk mitigation. Due diligence is simply the reasonable steps taken by an individual that helps them avoid risk. Think about it. Due diligence for a merger and acquisition is all about finding out if the buying of a specific company is a good financial deal. They're looking at all areas of the business to see if they have a strong financial standing, what type of short and long-term liabilities the company has, its current and historical profit and loss statements, And of course, what type of assets it owns and what those assets are worth. They want to make sure that they are not buying a lemon that will suck them dry and cause them to lose money. Now translate this into buying a car or a computer. For the vast majority of us, we don't simply go out and buy a car, computer, or other high-valued item simply because of the price. While the price may affect which options we end up buying, we take a lot more into consideration when we make our decision. For cars, we look at the gas mileage, we look at the cost of insurance, the options we can choose from, the trunk space, and most importantly, legroom and headroom. No matter how much you would like to drive a Mazda Miata, if you're six foot three or 1.9 meters tall, you will not fit in that car comfortably. Likewise, if you buy a computer, you are probably not choosing just on price. You are looking at multiple options. How much RAM does it have? 
What's the size of the hard drive? Is a hard drive a SSD, a solid state drive such as or flash memory? Or is it a SATA drive such as a hard disk drive? Does it have touchscreen and even how heavy the computer is? You're conducting your research on these items to ensure you are getting the item that best suits your needs, fits your budget, and won't need replacing in a short period of time. If this describes what you do when you buy one of these items, guess what? You have done your due diligence on those items. Okay, so due diligence can easily be translated into evaluating high-valued items. But what about when you're doing your due diligence on a person? There's no financial transactions that are taking place, and it's not like they have specs out there for you to evaluate against somebody else. So how do you do your due diligence on a person? Again, as with buying a computer or a car, I can guarantee everybody has either had due diligence done on them or has done it to somebody else. The only difference is it's called going to an interview. If you have ever applied for a job, guess what? The company you apply to has conducted their due diligence on you. If you have ever been employed, you did not get the job simply because of what you wrote in your CV or resume. You got the job after a lot of due diligence was done. As an HR manager, I have done my fair share of hiring, and what is written in a CV or resume is just a small fraction of what is considered before hiring a person. There are background checks. There are reference checks. We check your social media accounts like Facebook and LinkedIn, and other public profiles are looked at and reviewed. You are interviewed to confirm that what you wrote in your CV is what you really did, or to determine how you might react in a certain situation. Your professional and personal skills are evaluated to ensure you are a fit and will work well within the company environment. All of this is the company doing its own due diligence on you to make sure that you are a match for what they are looking for and that they will not be wasting their time and money on hiring you. With all of that said, it needs to be pointed out that due diligence will never mitigate 100% of the risk, but it will help to give you a good idea if the decision you are making is a good decision or not. There is a saying, or at least a variation thereof, that is most often associated with General George Patton, U.S. Army. And it goes, A 70% solution violently executed today is better than a 100% solution executed tomorrow. Although this quote is talking about military action, it is very applicable in businesses and when conducting due diligence. We would all love to make our decisions based on 100% of the information required, but that's simply unrealistic. The amount of information that is available on the internet today will simply overwhelm you and give you analysis paralysis. Additionally, good deals don't wait around for you to collect all the information. If you are waiting to execute a deal because you want more information, somebody is liable to come in and take it before you get the information you want or think you need. Likewise, there's always a better deal out there. But if you keep evaluating one deal against another deal, you will continue to find deals that look better than the one you are currently considering, thereby causing you to miss out. 
At some point in your due diligence, you will need to make assumptions. You will need to find alternative methods of getting the information you need. And most importantly, you will need to make the decision on when you have enough information to make your final decision. Now that we got all the boring stuff out of the way about what due diligence is, let's get into the fun stuff and actually talk about how to do your due diligence. Please understand that the following examples that I'll give are generalized examples of a much more in-depth process and are really being used to highlight that due diligence is not as complicated as you might think. As our main pathway to financial freedom for us at Wolfpack is based on property investing, we will look at two specific due diligence examples related to the subject. As we are all about teamwork, let's start by looking at how to do due diligence on a potential power team member, and in this case, a sourcing agent. When you are looking to add a new person or company to your power team, you need to treat it like a job interview as that is exactly what it is. I recently spoke to a potential sourcing agent and I think they said it best. Although this is paraphrasing, they stated, the reputation that your power team member has on the ground is a direct representation of you and your company. This couldn't be truer. We are not there. We are not the ones executing the project. And most importantly, we are not the face that is being seen by the tenant, the buyer or the seller, but our name is actually the ones on the project. As such, you need to make sure that anybody you choose to represent you is representing you the way you want to be represented. When evaluating a potential power team member, the first thing I do is look them up online. Do they have a website? Are they registered on Companies House, the UK company registration branch of the Department of Business? Or are they registered with a property ombudsman's? I would much rather deal with a registered company rather than an individual as this ensures that there are at least some sort of regulation and compliance standards that that person must adhere to. Additionally, this allows you to see how long they have been operating, if there are any charges or liens against their company, and who the owners are. This information can say a lot about a company. The next step in this process is to actually speak with them as this is where you will really get to know what they are about and how they operate. What services are they able to offer you? How do they evaluate properties? How do they distribute their deals? And whether or not you're going to be treated as an individual or just another entry in their 500 plus name distribution list. This is also your opportunity to see how well they fit with your style of business. Remember, you are building a team that will help your business grow and eventually allow you to reach your financial freedom. You are not looking for a one and done deal. If you do not mesh with this person or business, they won't be a valued member of your power team. Finally, make sure you ask for references. If the individual is not recommended to you, you want to ask for references so that you can see what other people are thinking of them. While you can potentially see reviews and testimonials on their websites or even on Google reviews, don't rely just on these reviews as you don't know if they're real or paid for. Next, 
Let's look at how you would do your due diligence on a potential property that you want to invest in. Doing due diligence on properties is much easier than you would think, and in my opinion, a lot easier than evaluating stocks, bonds, or unit trusts. When evaluating property, just think of it as if you were buying a house for yourself. If you were buying a house to live in, what type of information would you want to know? You are going to want to know what other similar properties are being sold for. You are going to want to know what type of area the property is in, what amenities are around it, what the crime rate is, and what the schools are like. All of this will have an effect on the value and desirability of your property. Once you find this information out, then you can start looking at the investment side of things. Does a property need renovation? And if so, what would the done up value be? You can find this out by again reviewing what similar properties in a freshly renovated shape are selling for or have been sold for. What is the rental demand in the area and how much can you expect to make in rent each month? Finally, you can look at the demographics of the area to determine if the property is surrounded by family-owned homes, private rental homes, or being listed as council and social housing, as this again will have a big effect on the initial and done-up value of the property, as well as the desirability of that property. Finally, once you have tamed all of this information, you want to run the numbers to make sure the deal fits your requirements. You need to be able to consider your renovation budget, the stamp duty taxes, legal fees, sourcing or agent fees, surveying fees, and all sorts of other miscellaneous costs. Once you have included all of these numbers into your calculations, you can see whether or not this is a good investment and what your potential ROI will be. Finally, one piece of advice I would like to leave you with as we begin to wrap up this episode. If a potential power team member ever tells you, do not worry about doing your own due diligence as we have done it for you, run away as fast as you can. Due diligence is an important part of any process, especially a process in which money is involved. It doesn't matter if the transaction is $5 or $500,000. It is your money and you need to do your own due diligence. While I would expect your power team member to do due diligence on any recommendation they present you with, it is your money, not theirs, that is at risk. If they tell you not to do any due diligence as they have done it for you, there is something wrong. I had one sourcing agent tell me this, and after reviewing a few of the deals they sent me, I found out exactly why they did not want me to do my own due diligence. It was because they use sold comparables from other towns, from more influential neighborhoods, and really anywhere that had a higher property price than the properties they were trying to sell. They wanted to make the deals that they were presenting to me appear that the properties they were trying to sell were outstanding deals when in fact, every single property was drastically overpriced. I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained a better understanding of due diligence. While it does take some time and practice, this is not a complicated process. Most of us do some form of due diligence on a regular basis, but call it something different. 
While there is always a possibility of failure or loss, at the end of the day, it's about doing your homework on a product, an investment, or potential power team partner in order to mitigate any risk that is involved. Do you want to know more about conducting due diligence? Do you need help or advice on how to conduct due diligence? If so, check out the Wolfpack Academy on our website and drop us a message. Thank you for listening. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until next time, stay safe and have a great week ahead.